fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody. I'm Caitlin. Welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News and talk about harassing brown people in airports with my friend Caitlin. Oh, fuck's sakes. <laughs> How are you, Caitlin? I'm good. Yeah, speaking of brown people, my... my boyfriend who's a brown person is at the airport right now so that's triggering <laughs> so. currently being harassed by Ezra at this no, point <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, if you want dear listener consider sharing our show with uh, some friends and review us on iTunes or donate to us don't donate to us donate <laughs> at patreon.com slash imperial news and a big thank you to those who already support us we're just going to rush right through this episode because we're going to jump through all the stuff that I missed when I was sick. And I'm not sick anymore, so yay! Thank God. So now, Caitlin, are you ready? The Imperial Roundup. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy! I'm a weirdo. February 4th. Ezra brings up that ex-Greenpeace Canada president, Patrick Moore. You heard of Patrick Moore? Mm -hmm. He's been deplatformed. Ezra frames it as Greenpeace activist deplatformed, when, of course, he hasn't been the Greenpeace activist for a while now, and he's actually an industry consultant. But yeah. And Ezra uses this is to say that uh, the reason why he wants to frame it as Greenpeace activist is deplatformed is because he's like, this initially didn't sound right because the left never gets deplatformed. Of course, standard, standard stupid talking points that he goes on about. Yeah. Ezra says that he was supposed, uh, that Moore was supposed to talk about uh, to a Saskatchewan group about nuclear energy. I believe it was the government of Regina was putting together this thing. And Ezra says, if you believe in global warming, you should love nuclear. So, of course, you should have wanted Patrick Moore to go out there. Now, the issue of nuclear energy is something like I used to know a lot more about. And I'm not going to like go into it. I, I know there's issues. I think a lot of people do admit that, yes, it's like cleaner in the sense that it doesn't produce any CO2. And that'll be, well, I mean, at least not as much as coal or the other things. It's pretty clean in, on that regard. But then you have all this leftover radioactive material yeah and I was how just do you deal with to that? say yeah and there's some futurists who are like you know in the future eventually we'll find a way to deal with it so let's just like transition to nuclear energy and work about it later <laughs> at least like those are some of the arguments and That's i don't a know horrible argument yes i agree with you and so partly because it's like you know I th- it's like if you have the green technology already there like why not transition to that instead i mean if you just uh overthrow capitalism <laughs> a lot of these issues can be solved, but we don't do it. Starting today, revolution, day one. <laughs> now, get ready. Go on the streets, tear it down, kill the rich. So, yes. So he's apparently was supposed to advocate for this nuclear utopia. Ezra goes on about Moore's views on climate and says that he, he's not a climate denier. And I know more is back on the show in the future, so we will hold off until then, later on in this episode, when more comes back on and, and address some of those issues. But we don't have to get into that right now. The only thing to know is that the controversy was not that more was speaking, but that the government of Regina was paying him to speak. 
which is why would you want your government to spend money to get some crank for the who, who's a consultant for industry that promotes that global warming isn't real uh, to come talk to the government? It doesn't sound like it's that great. Ezra ends the segment about how saying no one is speaking out about this. And it is a part of government censorship. And then he plays that clip about licensing that we learned in the last episode. So already, day two, he's <laughs> he's going to milk that clip for all that it's worth. So I look forward to that being a recurring theme of this show. In the interview segment, Ezra has Joel Pollock on, and they talk about the Iowa caucus and how crazy that was. And we don't have to get into that. Bernie won, and Bernie won New Hampshire. And Bernie's going to win it all, so we can just ignore the whole segment. Pollock. Bernie! We don't even get a good phone ding in this, so oh, it's just... Oh, boring. Okay, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> February 5th. We have a guest host. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I knew it. I knew it was the, the menzoid. menzoid. yeah. What is this? Are you guys kidding me? Yeah. He's, he's hosting, and he says, he begins his whole thing, that he likes Peter McKay. So if you don't know, Peter McKay was a member of parliament of the conservative government when Stephen Harper was prime minister. Peter McKay is no longer a member of parliament, but he's going to be running for the leadership of the conservative party. Mm. So Mensoid frames it as, I like Peter McKay, but now he's kind of like, I don't know though, because he wouldn't answer one of my questions. (laughs) So I guess Peter McKay was giving this talk and David Menzies was trying to get in there to get the questioning. was like being shut down. But eventually he does finally get to ask Peter McKay a question. And his question is basically, Ezra's being investigated. Like, how do you feel about that? Is that a good thing? Is government censorship good? All this stuff. And McKay's response is that he's heard about this. But he's like, I don't have enough information to comment on it. Yeah. And, you know, fair enough. But, of course, the menzoid is not happy. <laughs> How dare you not know about the fact that his boss is being investigated unjustly by a tyrannical government? How dare you, Peter McKay? And because of this, he's basically saying that Peter McKay is Andrew Shear 2.0. And it's just going to be that all over again. I'm not even sure if they hated Andrew Shear. Like, I'm still unclear what their states is on. They... Again, my thinking is that as soon as the PPC becomes more popular than it is, they're going to jump ship. Yeah, of course. They always it's more want, right-leaning. Yeah, they always want one foot into power, though. So they're going to chum up, even though they're uh, ostracized by the conservative government and kept out of a lot of their stuff. They still want to be let in. Because they want to be close to power. It's pretty crazy even hearing that. Because just looking at Doug Ford, I feel like they're all the same. Well, I mean, provincially, I think they're accepted. I mean, like, I doubt Doug Ford's going to send them away. Jason Kenney might, but, like, he's pretty chummy with... uh, He's been chummy with Kian and all that stuff. And he also wrote the foreword to one of Ezra's books. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's Uh, scary. I didn't know that. Ezra's very first book. So, I mean... I mean, not to defend Jason Kenny, but this was way before you knew what Ezra was to become. <laughs> uh, but yes, Jason Kenny wrote the foreword to Ezra's first book. Interesting. So yeah, I, I think that's their stance. And actually, that's that's going to be uh, some of the stuff that you're asking is going to be relevant later on when we get to there. When we get there, 
Ezra is not on the show today. Probably because he's in studio mm. with Glenn Beck. I don't even need to go into detail who Glenn Beck is, so I'm not going to. But uh, yeah, he's on Glenn Beck. Hmm. And Ezra is there to promote something called the Nazarene Fund, which is to help Christians escape the Middle East. That's basically what it is. So I guess there are Christian sects in the Middle East, and some of them are persecuted by the majority Muslim populations in those countries. I mean, that's not the worst cause, I guess. I don't yeah, I mean, here's the thing is... At least he's I, not saying, like, he's going to help conservatives get out of the Middle East. Poor conservatives. Yeah. <laughs> they need to seek refuge in this country. Yeah, I didn't do a deep dive into this organization. So I don't know, like, 100% if they're on the up and up or any of that. I'll just take it for granted that, sure, they're doing something. I don't know how good. accurate the state... Like, I know there's tensions between the Christian religion and Muslim communities in certain countries... But there's also sometimes you hear from Christian communities this false sense of like, if I'm not the dominant religion, then therefore I'm prosecuted and I'm being treated poorly and I'm ostracized in my society. And I've heard that from some people to find out, you know, like you you, well, you say- want to listen because you don't, because no, because I, I'll, we'll get to your point. But like, I've had conversations with certain Middle Eastern people from certain countries where Christians aren't prosecuted and they make it sound like I can't even go back to my home country because Christians are being killed left, left, right and center only to find out that there's a very accepting community of Christians there. (laughs) And that's not actually happening. It's just Christianity is not the dominant religion. So they have this almost sense like because Christianity doesn't rule over law and state therefore it's being prosecuted and i mean that's kind of like the united states so that's what i kind of like i'm like iffy about but there are there are communities in certain middle eastern countries in particular it's very contextual right like yeah that there is a lot of issues with the christian faith but But it's not coming from muslim people it's coming from extremist groups it's not the muslim population no and there's gonna be pop there's probably Christians somewhere on this planet who's being persecuted. So yeah. I'm not saying like that doesn't happen, but uh, you're going to hear a lot of the sentiment that you just raised in the next oh, few clips. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. But uh, the first one is uh, just slightly weird. Simon Wies- uh, Wiesenthal Center came to me um, uh, about five years ago. It said, could you please stop talking about the coming persecution of the Jews? And I said, what? Hmm. And uh, he said, for this reason, I have to convince Jews to help the Christians because, mark my words, they're coming for you first this time. Mm. They'll get to us, Hmm. but I've got to get the Jews to pay attention to the beginning, and this time they're coming for you first. Uh, And it was shortly after that that we we saw the beginning of ISIS. And so you you as a, a, a Jew standing up for the Christians is just so great. Well, thank you. Most of our viewers are, are, are Christian. But I know, I'm, but, but, but you, thank you. But you care. Something. Well, I mean, 
I've been to the Holocaust Memorial in Israel, Mm -hmm. and there's a concept called the righteous Gentile. Someone like Oscar Schindler, Uh who at great personal risk would save Jews for no other reason than it's right. So here's Ezra comparing himself to Oscar Schindler. (laughs) Oh my God. They're coming for the Christians next. Didn't you know that? That's why the Jews told Glenn Beck, a Christian, Mormon, I think. He might be Mormon. Oh, that's weird. They're coming for you next. So be prepared. Now, the obvious response to this is that the Christians aren't, obviously, the most oppressed minority in this world. But, of course, they eventually say what is really on their minds out loud for everyone to hear. Canada's not really been a part of that. You'll take in every... You'll take in everybody from everywhere, but... Trudeau put a limit on Christians, didn't he? Yeah, the previous prime minister, Stephen Harper, had a special track for Christian refugees of persecution. It was amazing. Trudeau, one of his first acts was to stop that. Why would you stop that? I mean, we want the lambs, not the wolves. Trudeau will bring in the wolves from these places. Some of the largest sources of immigration in Canada are uh, Muslim countries, and that's that fine. can be fine, but can we please sort the wolves from the lambs. It would be as if in the 30s and 40s, the West was taking Germans, but didn't sort the Nazis from the Jews. Can we take the lambs, please? I'm happy to take the lambs from Iraq and Iran and Egypt, where they're being persecuted, and and China, they're persecuting Christians. Can we sort? And China is persecuting Muslims. Yeah, the Uyghurs. Yeah. What? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It was a bit of a roller coaster. (laughs) Fucking racists, yeah. one. Well, just completely xenophobic, yeah. Islamophobic yeah. specifically. But I mean, but that's what the China thing at the end plays on is they're like, well, we're not being racist here because look. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. Just about to say that. Sorry. Fuck them. <laughs> like, honestly, like, it's just. And yeah. honestly, so if I was a German, like, let's just go to this analogy that they're trying to use. is like, we we can't allow the Nazis to come in. Is every fucking German a Nazi? There was people that were not Jewish and German escaping Germany because of the Nazi regime. It's not just, it wasn't just Jew, Jews that were German. It was also German people that were Christian or atheist or whatever, because maybe they didn't believe in the cause. They didn't want to actually associate themselves with Hitler. They were being prosecuted themselves for other things because it wasn't just Jewish people. It was also if you were uh, part of the LGBT community, if you were of a certain descent. So if you were like Eastern European descent, a lot of times they were rounding you up and calling you gypsies and putting you in camps, um, which is like, crazy if you if you refused war conscription so refusing to go to war which you had a good chance of dying in like like that's just insane and that's that's the point like it just raises the point of why you have to actually let in muslim people and not specialize a category to let in christians or other groups yeah. of people because it and because that, that's not also, the signifier of what makes someone like good or bad to be in a country exactly Exactly. It's like just saying all German people are Nazis. Like that is just such a dumb claim to make. Well, it's doubly dumb because I don't think we have sorting mechanisms at our immigration facilities. Like it's not like we're just going everyone in. Like that's what they make no, no, it no, sound no. like. They're what doing. they're actually making it sound like is actually we're going to close the door on all the oh, white yes. people. 
but you wear a hijab. Oh, you've got a big beard. That now we're going to let yeah. you in. Oh, your skin color looks different. You look like a terrorist because we want you to terrorize a country. That's what we're really aiming at as a government is to let in people that are going to kill our citizens. Because that's very logical. Like yeah. that just makes like I don't even understand what the motive would be for that. The risk. I mean, like this is the thing. Like you nailed it. Like they're, they're trying to frame it as something that it isn't to fear monger. And calling them wolves, and his, and they don't make those those key sort of distinctions. Like they kind of say, well, not all Muslims, and they like do this dance, but they're clearly saying we need to sort the wolves from the lambs, and we're not doing it. When has there ever been a terrorist attack in Canada? I mean, I, mean, I can think homegrown terrorists. Well, there's yeah. homegrown. There's even a homegrown Muslim terrorists. Yeah, but I I can't recall many instances of Muslims, uh, extremist Muslims that have done extreme damage in our country and, I, can, I, I know some a couple of cases that have been like in quebec and like other provinces but i mean those are like very specifically extreme cases where yeah. you can actually even tell like for reading the case that person individually probably had like a mental health issue or had like other other things going on in their life right like it had nothing to actually do with that identity or i just and a lot of them get radicalized after they come here yeah. So it's not, yeah. Yeah. Another thing I also wanted to point out is like when we do have cases of like terrorism or like uh, homicide or something, like we, they tend to like immediately blame it on Muslim people, but there's actually been patterns where it's like incel groups are actually more likely to commit terrorist acts. So, which are actually like a lot of them adhere to those Christian based faith, like a woman's your property or like those extreme kind well, of Christian two, doctrines. The so. two more recent like mass deaths in Canada was the the asshole in Toronto who was an incel and the that's asshole just, in Quebec who shot up the mosque. That's exactly yeah. what I was just thinking about. So even the one in Toronto, it's actually just down the street from me. And I think it was my dad's co-worker's daughter or something ended up actually getting injured in that so i remember coming home and my father was like isis is claiming it they're here like he was freaking out plays the clip and i'm like dad that guy literally looks like you like it could be so many people like why do you think that's a muslim guy turns out the guy's greek yeah and is catholic catholic raised greek and then he he fought that um oh and his parents Spends too much time on reddit we're in the yeah that's shape. no that's the exact same thing and then he's like a second generation and my parents were going on we can't let these immigrants in we can't i was like this guy is me this is this is so ridiculous like i was like sitting not saying that i would never do that yeah. but i was just saying like i'm like the same level of immigrant that this guy is and yeah. i'm from the same region that this guy this family is like this is so ridiculous of a conversation yeah so it's like to capture within that framework makes absolutely no sense and this was at like thanksgiving around that time last year not the most recent thanksgiving and i remember even my cousins going on and then i framed it like i am the same level of immigrant insane like like (laughs) and they were like oh yeah you are and then it kind of shifted the conversation being like they get really quiet no 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 they were kind of like we never thought of that like you make sense because the news and how it was framed did frame it as like 
immigration issues yeah. and not that, you know, men are pieces of trash that need to learn that women aren't their property. But anyway. I'm as tasty as it comes, but I wonder if I ever did anything, if they were like, Polish immigrants. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I doubt it. <laughs> but, I mean, it's probably because I have these, like, other signifiers that give me yeah. privilege compared to, like, other people who are second-generation immigrants. The fact that I'm white, I'm a female, actually probably helps me in those situations. Yeah. But, um it's it's just insane to me. It's like this this rhetoric. Like we're gonna let in just the terrorists. That's it. Yeah. That's because there is a yeah. beneficial purpose for the government to do that. Why I don't know because they can't give me a reason. And I don't want to take away from the Christian persecution that could be happening in these countries does, that they're talking. Yeah, it does. But there's tons of Muslims in those countries that are being persecuted as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just a bunch of bullshit. Just a bunch of bullshit. So we're going to move on from it. Fucking Glenn Beck. And I hope, I hope, I mean, here's the thing. He's been going on these podcast tours and there's going to be another one he goes on another podcast. And uh, I don't like that Ezra's getting around. It's making me uncomfortable. I'll just say that. So February 6th, Ezra fucked up. (laughs) He planned to play a recording of an interview with Maxime Bernier, but the video was delayed. So we get a teaser, which then he replays on the next day. But uh, yeah, nothing, nothing really happens on the show. The, the only other thing is he does play like a little, little teaser, and basically it's it's him talking about like how come populism is working everywhere else? Why isn't it working here? And isn't the Quebec government great because they hate Muslim immigrants? Oh, Ezra's really on this kick that the Quebec government is really awesome because they hate Muslims. We also learned that Maxime is starting a podcast and Ezra is his first guest. Oh no. Yep. That's scary. Yep. I mean, they did predict this when, or not predict this, they encouraged it uh, the day of the election to Maxime when they interviewed him after. We might as well move right on to the seventh. In the beginning of this episode is Ezra talking about how what happens in England will eventually be happening here in Canada. What, we're going to Brexit? Yeah. <laughs> <Or> what? <laughs> Or ways I have no clue what he said. But he said Canada. Like, he didn't say it's going to happen in Alberta. So, wait, I'm just saying Ezra's not smart. Like, are we in a North American I do not even consider this angle. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's not a good... Basically, what he's saying is, like, look how they're treating Tommy. That's what's going to happen in Canada in a couple years. They're going to start treating our citizens the way they treat... Tommy there kind of thing where it's like they were destroying statues of famous people in England who were racist and now they're going to be taking down statues of John A. Macdonald here so it happened in England first and now it's going to I have no clue that that's what he's saying doesn't make a lot of sense to me but why he's bringing this up is because he wants to talk about the fact that Franklin Graham who's Billy Graham's son who's a giant mega preacher person has been banned from the UK at least that's how... I'm sorry. How did this all connect? So Sometimes... he's like, eventually Canada's going to do this too. Like, I... Sometimes you like you start with something and I think it's going somewhere and then it takes like a total 360 into a different conversation. That's and what like... it's like listening to a show sometimes. <laughs> so I'm always like, I, okay. I so... like start thinking of things to say too and prep and you just completely throw me off course. So... That's like literally all this. He's like, he's like, look... England's ahead of the game on all this censorship stuff. They're like doing all this crazy stuff, banning the statues, Tommy getting in jail. Now look at Franklin Graham, which means that eventually Christian speakers are going to be banned from Canada. I think that's the argument okay that's making. This. this sounds great. Me too. This sounds like a utopia to me. 
But but it's not a utopia because in reality he isn't banned. What happened was <laughs> <laughs> Franklin Graham was uh, going to go on the speaking tour in the UK, and there were seven venues all lined up to host him, and they all canceled on him for various reasons because he's a bigoted piece of shit. Sounds good. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and so Ezra thinks this is being banned in the UK, but clearly Franklin is allowed in the country. It's just no venue is going to host him, which whatever. I'm cool with that. Ezra then compares Graham's anti-gay views to Muslims in Britain and plays a clip of an anti-gay imam in England criticizing the labor government. Well, they're not in power, but criticizing that side of the government for uh, promoting homosexuality and all this stuff. Now, the same thing happens here. So a lot of the anti-sex ed uh, groups, some of them were led by uh, Muslims who who were against that teaching. And a lot of them ended up voting for Doug Ford. Which is scary to think of, but yeah. And it's worth to continuously highlight this because he mentions this, I don't bring it up, but he mentions this in a, another episode this week that the liberal governments bring in all the Muslim people to vote for them. And it's clear in this case that... It's not true. It's not true. And Ezra is aware that it's not true because they hold a lot of similar views to Christian Yeah, I mean, like, this is this is a huge issue. And I mean, I, I fall trapped in this, too, where it's like you tend to categorize people into certain political beliefs or, like, certain characteristics. And I think a lot of people do it. Like, you think when someone's really Christian, you think they're more conservative. You think Muslims are going to be a lot more liberal or left-leaning because you think that they're the champions for Muslim issues. But it, there's a lot of uh, heterogeneity within these populations. And it does go ignored. And because it goes ignored, I think sometimes our ideas of how elections and politics work tend to be very biased. And I'm, I'm, You are seeing that right now in the States when they talk about the Black community. Yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm completely guilty of it, too. I tend to, like, even use these, like, heuristics in my head of like oh you're christian okay this is your beliefs this is how you are when i've actually met a lot of christians who are very like radical left-leaning um don't have the exact same views they might just have one view of that of christianity that they really value and that's why they they belong to a church or like go go to church right so and as i've said i think on the show before as long as you are ready to fight the left-wing fight i don't care what you believe in terms of religion no, I don't Julius, really either. As again, at least so I'm not like anti-trans, yeah. anti-Islam, anti-immigrant, all that stuff. So long as you're not being a bigoted piece of shit, join our movement. Come in. Yeah, I do not care. So that's that's that segment. Actually, it's, I just realized now. This is weird that I didn't make this realization, but there is a lot of anti-Islam stuff in this episode. Oh yeah, hundred but... <laughs> percent. Like it's it's like it's a common theme for yeah. this week. It seems. But I cut you off. Sorry. No, it's okay. Don't worry. We then get the Bernier interview in full, and we've heard it all before. So I, I don't I don't care. They they rehash the election. Ezra's like, well, why aren't you running for the conservative leadership? Why are you doing this vote splitting thing? Uh, and then of course they talk about like immigration's bad. And, yeah, it's just like, there's no Bullshit. point in rehashing yeah. it. The, the thing to acknowledge is that he is starting a podcast, and uh, we'll see how that goes. It, it sounds to me, uh, by the end of this interview, that it's more of a YouTube channel, that he's going to like videotape the interviews and then like play them on a mm. show, kind of like a, a Dave Rubin-esque type show. Cool. It's something to look forward to, and maybe hopefully YouTube will ban them because he's not good. Not a good person. They, oh, they also bring up Salim Mansour, 
uh, again. And Ezra is just like, he was such a good candidate. Oh, <laughs> yeah. A good candidate that only received a thousand votes in our city. So our yeah, city of half a only a... Oh, actually, piece of shit, that yeah. riding would have less than that happen, though. Now that I think about it. But either way, only a thousand votes. Durka Prout, big up on the double, dig- double digit thousands. <laughs> she did good. Yes. Yeah. I wish she won, but she did good. It's okay. It's her first time. Gotta get yep. her out there more. You better run again, Durka. Better run again. February 10th. <laughs> Ezra... On his way to Halifax for the Omar Khadr speech. So we talked about this before. Yeah. Omar Khadr's giving the speech in Halifax. Guess who ends up on the same plane as Ezra? Omar Khadr? Omar fucking Khadr. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the same plane as Ezra. And well, Ezra... Oh, I know where this is going. Okay. He doesn't notice it first until he gets off the plane. And the first thing he does when he gets off the plane is notify the Air Canada staff and tells them that there was a terrorist on the plane. He then spots Cotter in the airport and says something that he goes on about in later episodes, which is that Cotter is surrounded by this like all-female fan group, and he compares them to like women obsessing over serial killers. And then Ezra does what Ezra does best and uh, harasses harasses Omar Cotter in the airport. Can I have a word? Oh, Can I talk to you for a minute? Do we take a selfie together? If you if you want. Yeah? Can I ask you a couple questions? Can I how did you get on the plane? I thought you were on the no-fly list. So this is exactly what we figured would happen. Why don't we go ahead and well, but, walk away from but why don't you, things that are hurtful? Why don't you but how but aren't you on the no-fly list? Come on. Is there security? For me or for him? Yeah, for filming a person when when we're that's really not an okay thing to do. So please Yeah. Can I ask you, you guys why you won't let uh, the, the widow have access to some of the money you got. Excuse me, officer, he's harassing us. He's not harassing anybody. That's a convicted al-Qaeda terrorist right there. Oh, my gosh. Airplane. It gets worse. He's entitled to do what? He's entitled to, to leave the airport. Yeah. That's good, thanks. Excuse me, sir. Excuse well, it's, it's assault. Get your hands off me. Why have you never renounced your father's terrorism? I don't understand. Why have you never renounced your father's go. terrorism? Okay, just walk. We need to go. Because we're not under Sharia law. Let's just walk to the park. Come on. Where have you stashed the rest of the money? Why don't you feel an obligation to pay money to the widow whose husband you murdered and the two children? This is an airport. There's a public public place. Exactly. That's why I'm filming. Yeah. Excuse me. We're Sir. just trying to move. And your, 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 your She's touching me. That's battery. Hey, no, it's not. Yes, it is, Sir, actually. You, you My hands are off. That's a terrorist. That's an Al-Qaeda terrorist right there. Sir. Al-Qaeda terrorist. It's an Al-Qaeda terrorist right there. Okay. Al-Qaeda terrorist right there. Okay. Go ahead. Just go on. Okay, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Sir. Yes. Yeah. Why are you touching me? You're impeding someone from leaving the building. No, I'm not. You're impeding me from leaving the building. What's I'm your impeding. What's your name and badge number? I'll give number? you my card, sir. Okay? Give it to me. I will give it to you, sir. He's creepy and a fucking child. 
He's a fucking child. Dude, there's a terrorist. There's a terrorist in this airport. There's terrorists. Battery. She touched me. It's battery. But you're impeding me. I have to say, the officers are actually very nice and compliant. And I've been in situations where I've had officers tell me like, like, for example, I've had a cop pull me over for no reason and still did not give me just like till the very end did yeah. not give me an explanation to why he pulled me over. And I still can't figure it out, but he made me pull out my ID. And then I asked for him, can I see your badge number and stuff? Because you're not giving me a reason. And I feel I feel uncomfortable now. Right. Like just. Yeah. Because I've heard of cases where like random people will dress up like cops and then actually like pull over young women and you know yeah. assault them stuff that's like I've, I've read articles about that and i've had situations where cops have outright refused no i don't have to give you shit like said that to my face i've had cops not explain to me why they're pulling me over and then give me a speeding ticket but never show me like the the speedometer, speedometer yeah. even though i've asked and i'm like what the hell so it's been good because i've been able to fight it if i've ever gotten a ticket but it's just like I've been, I can, I know how awful cops can be, especially if you give them somewhat of an attitude, like they immediately go like, well, I'm the, the authority, yeah. I'm the law. And they are so nice to him. They are so patient, so patient, so nice. And I know some of them can like, you question their authority. It doesn't matter who you are R- right away. They're kind of like, I don't have to fucking do shit for you, sir. Like, it's just 360, I hate you. I'm not going to be nice. I'm not going to play by the rules kind of cop, right? And so nice to him. And it's so unfair. And I feel like I should be be treated nicely because I'm like this white young female, but I'm not as treated as nicely as he is. So it's kind of weird. You probably didn't have a camera out in their face the whole time they were interacting with you. Uh... I you just think that like as like a white young female you have a certain level of privilege when cops pull you over like I definitely have been patronized a little by cops being like oh you went a little too fast oh we'll reduce it for you like talking to me in this like patronizing tone and I just go thanks officer right like sorry I wasn't paying attention and I play it up totally of course you don't want the ticket I don't want the ticket no but I mean like that's a part of the privilege I have compared to if I was a young boy of color right or even a, a woman of color right like or even being young, there's like something about being young. It's like she's yeah. naive, right? Like, oh, she doesn't know better. Or it's like almost like they're like a parental role. Like, we're doing this for your own good. Like, I've gotten that a couple of times. Um, so it's it, it's interesting that it's almost like he's been treated nicer by cops than I have. Like, it's almost like it. it yeah, it baffles yeah. me. So, I mean, older older white dude, but also with a camera in your he's face. He's a shit. But, he's know. awful. Like shouting no, out at an airport oh, at a cop Terrible. Ter- yeah. Oh, and it, it gets worse. So I got more of it. Ugh. It was a long fucking clip. So I, I thought I would at least give it a bit of a, a break. Break, to, yeah. Uh, but this is, he almost gets arrested. So that's a... Uh, fun stuff. That's, that's really fun. So here it is. You're very close to being arrested. You understand me? And you're very close to getting a civil lawsuit for assault and battery. Jaywalk, sir. Did you hear it? Crosswalk back there, okay? Am I clear? Don't jaywalk. What are you stepping on my, you stepping on me for? Doing Stopping, job, stop. Doing your job. When, what job is that? Keeping the public safe. 
Who was whose safety was in breach there? Everyone's safety, sir. You're a goddamn liar, and you know it. You're a disgrace. <laughs> and you're a disgrace. I'm proud of what I do, sir. You're proud of defending a terrorist? I'm proud of keeping people safe, sir. Safe from whom? I, see, I have to point it out. They're still so composed oh with God. him. They're so composed with he him. He almost got arrested for jaywalking. <laughs> <laughs> But no, the officer even is like, I'm oh. proud of what I do. Like, just, you know, like, he's calm still. He's giving him, like, a clear, rational answer kind of thing. He is not attacking him in any way or getting frustrated or flustered. How like, he's getting treated so well. It's unbelievable. And he behaves like a petulant child. I, exactly. And, like, how he plays this to his audience. And I don't understand how any of his audience could, like, not go, Ezra... Just fucking go away. <laughs> you made your point. The cops show up. Because here's the thing is like No, someone could take that and then be like, oh look, the police are like out for the right. They're never, you know, protecting uh the actual people. They want they don't want to hear the people's voice, right? Ezra's the voice of reason, like saying the truth. Like he's probably gonna get hyped up because of this. Incident. Yeah, but they he also promotes the police a lot and talks about how it's like good things. Like you know what I mean? So there's anything this contradiction. Consistent? Yeah, yeah, I know. Is anything on his show consistent, Jerry? I, know, I think we've covered I know, that I know. he's inconsistent. It's just all it's time. it's hard for it's like this difficulty because like I know that and I'm aware that his audience has a higher capacity of uh what is it? A, a higher tolerance of for dealing with inconsistency. Of bullshit, yeah. Well yes, a bullshit. But it's like they can hold a bunch of like facts in their heads that do not mesh well together and i can't and so it's like even though i'm aware of that all the time it still baffles me it's like <laughs> how are you not uncomfortable yeah i agree by holding this inconsistent worldview but anyways after this ezra then commiserates with andrew lawton at a bar so andrew lawton also went to halifax and they're commiserating about the fact of like the police almost arrested him for jaywalking yeah Lawton says the child soldier narrative doesn't hold up in the case of Omar Qatar, but doesn't explain why. And the child soldier stuff is something we're going to get to uh, again in a second. But it's they have in, in order to have the narrative that they do, they have to frame it as like this child soldier stuff is bullshit. Otherwise, Omar Qatar becomes a completely sympathetic yeah. figure. February 11th. Ezra talks about the Cotter event in Halifax, but of course spends a lot of time talking about the interaction with him at the airport. Mm, of course, yeah. Ezra was denied entry to the venue, which is something he speculated about in the last episode. So he shows up, and, and he has a recording of the interaction with the security guards and staff, but it's not as exciting as the, the Cotter clip that I played you. They're basically just like, we know who you are and don't want to let you in. <laughs> yeah. Ezra seems super focused on the fact that Air Canada let a terrorist on their plane. He then asks, and this is how he words it, does anyone know there is a convicted murderer on the plane? Part of this should be obvious, but there probably is many convicted murderers on airplanes because they served their sentences and are now on airplanes yeah. and flying around. But of course, Ezra isn't worried about them because they're not Muslim people that he can fearmonger to his audience about. Ezra is also upset that the plane might have flown into the American airspace on its way to Halifax. Okay. Given that Omar has a plea agreement saying he won't enter the U.S. And the thing is, 
flying over America in an airplane isn't the same as like setting foot on American soil because you don't go through American customs when you're flying over America in an airplane. So I don't think that is somehow breaking this plea agreement that uh, he has with the United States. But then, of course, Ezra uses this to fearmonger about 9-11 by saying, like, is it okay that an airplane with a terrorist on board flew over New England on its way to New York? Remember the last time that happened kind of stuff? Yeah, not good. Apparently, Ezra again went on Glenn Beck, but I didn't, like, double back to check this. But he he says it and went on to talk about what happened at, at the Halifax um event, but also at the airport. I promised earlier that I would bring up the female fan angle thing, because Ezra was going to talk about it again. Yeah. And uh, here it is. I want to tell you an observation I made about the crowd. I, I didn't quite understand it at first, but I felt like I was on the set of The View or another daytime TV show, even though it was nighttime. I estimate that about three quarters of the people in the room were women, white liberal women, between the ages of 35 and 55. It was quite pronounced. I mean, you would think that the subjects of terrorism and war and crime, justice and foreign relations and Afghanistan, you would think that would be a masculine thing. And indeed, there were men there, and I saw some men in Halifax being a military city wearing their ribbons. But most of the people there were sort of moms, wine ants maybe. But it was, it was quite gripping to watch them watch Cotter. I know this sounds odd, but there were hundreds of people there. And so it wasn't just one or two. There were dozens of these moms who I have to say they reminded me of women who fall in love with serial killers become their pen pals, meet them in prison, and literally marry serial killers who are in prison. It's a psychological phenomenon. You can look it up in, in any psychological journal. As someone with a degree in psychology, albeit only a bachelor's, I uh, don't think that is actually a real psychological phenomenon. <laughs> I, in fact, I never came across it while earning my degree. It's not really psychological. We talk about it in criminology. And it's like not really a big topic. Like it's like well, I no imagine it's it's one of those things where I mean everyone will bring up like the Manson thing and I mean there's other ones where it happens but Ted Bundy too, same thing. How frequent is it? Like if the thing is if it happens once or twice, it still is kind of weird that someone would get like this attached to a serial killer as a pen pal and then somehow. There's like a TV trope yeah. of it too. Like that happens a lot. But it's always framed in the sense of like the woman being manipulated by the serial killer for the serial killer to actually get what he wants and he's only using the woman to like like the psychological phenomena is not about women who happen to love serial killers the psychological phenomena is about toxic men that know how to manipulate women to get what they want or people in general right and that's a lot of what serial killers personalities comprise of is like sociopathy right and so they're able to manipulate people and social situations in order to like achieve a goal and so that's why that's happening it has nothing to do with like women themselves being just 
there's this psychological phenomena of women being attracted to dangerous men. It's, it's about there's something mentally wrong with that man that makes him able to do those things. And as a person who are not mentally ill, you assume that people aren't trying to continuously trick you or manipulate you because that's actually an unhealthy thought and behavior. Yeah, but according to Ezra, men are never the source of this. It's always the women who are, they I, have things wrong with them. But I also want to point out <laughs> why I think women would probably be a large representation of that group in Halifax is because what, what qualities are women socialized to have? Empathy. Like, that's a huge thing. You empathize for people. You hear stories that are about, you know, war, hardship, overcoming stuff, right? And as a woman, like, I feel attached to those kind of stories. Those stories of overcoming hardship or going through a hard time as a kid appeal to me, I think, more than a guy who falls in line with these, like, hegemonic masculine ideas, which let's say a lot of the male population tries to achieve, right? The so, other the other person yeah. on stage with Omar at this event was another child soldier. Yeah. This so is, this, this is helping prove my point. So it, it's, it, there's something as a woman, like I, I think it, a lot of it's due to socialization, my yes. upbringing, the surrounding society that tells me I should like be this nurturing figure that's going to care for these kind of people and their stories and want to hear them out and listen. I'm the type of person who wants to sit and listen to a story about someone's overcoming uh, something difficult in their life. Do you think men give a shit about that? A lot of them don't. Like, that's just just how it's, they've been brought up. That's how society's told yep. them, you know, why would I want to sit and listen to someone talk about a story? That's not an inherently masculine. Well, you think it's socialization, but Ezra has a different idea. Nature. Partly it's these women believing that they can heal a broken soul. Oh, Charles Manson, he's just broken. He just needs someone to love him and fix him. Oh, Omar Carter, he's been broken. I can love him and fix it. So some of it is that maternal instinct to heal and protect and fix. I have to say with others, it clearly was a sort of romantic lust. It was a strange, strange room to be in. And the woman who epitomized this was the MC of the whole event who was having an emotional moment on the stage and said so, said it was one of the most uh, remarkable evenings of her life. It was not, but for her, it was everything. It was her moral satisfaction. It was pretty gross to me. It's an instinct, instinct or lust. So you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> for yourself. the audience at home, Caitlin's face is not, <laughs> not one of impressed. <laughs> Gender's a social construction, people. Yeah. I know we've probably beaten this on the head a bunch of oh, times. Oh, it'll come up again, too. Yeah, oh, of course. Well, will. not in this episode, but yeah. In the future, for sure. But it's just, it's so ridiculous. It's even the fact that he's like, why was there so many women there? Like, women between 30s to 50. Can you, like, believe that? So many women, men should be interested in this stuff. And I'm like, what? Like, that's not even, like, somewhat... That's nowhere even close to being insightful. Might, that's an awful observation you just made. It's one of those things where I wish I could do a head count. And just, just to see, like, just whether or not he's, like, actually creating a narrative that doesn't fit the audience. Sure. That, there, no, or, yeah, you're right. There could have actually been an equal number or, like, 
maybe there was yeah. more women, but not that many more women. You're like absolutely correct yeah. knowing his track history is all the <laughs> bullshit. But it I still mean, doesn't matter. It yeah. really doesn't even matter. And it's also like the MC, what is she going to be like grilling Omar Qadar at his own events? Like but the reason like, why she probably was picked as an MC is because this this issue has particular resonance to them. Yeah. Like I, I didn't watch the event, so I don't know, maybe she uh, came from a family who was a refugee or you know like there's many reasons for why maybe she was in a she knew child soldiers were growing up and yeah or it could just be an issue she wanted to get on right like whatever and it's like she's not gonna go and MC in an event an event for this person it's not like a hardcore <laughs> interviewing you know what I'm saying like yeah. it, it's an event for this person to tell their story why would she not be empathetic like it yeah. just doesn't make any sense to me yeah Yep, and because there's the other child soldier on the stage, Ezra has to admit that child soldiers are a real phenomenon. Mm. But he argues that since Omar was two weeks shy of his 16th birthday when he was taken by the U.S. military, that therefore he wasn't a child. I'm sorry, 16-year-olds are not children? Yeah, well, he was technically 15, but he was two weeks shy of being 16. 16? I thought it was 18 years old and above that you get tried as an adult. What? It also ignores the fact that Omar was brought to Afghanistan much younger than that. Right? I mean, like, when you get... He was taken by his parents to this country way before he knew... Knew enough that, say, this isn't something I want to be involved in or whatever. You know, I mean, like, sure, at age 15, I made choices. I could think. I could... At 15, I could think better than my toddler could think, right? Yeah. You know, but I agree with you. I mean, you, there's reasons why we don't let people drive until they're 16. Yeah. And even then, like, we still, they got to go through processes because that's only the beginning stage. And it, it's it's so disgusting to me that for them to try to play this off as this person was of such clear and sound mind and and in the age of reason could like do all this thinking and knew that I wanted to kill Americans now. And now that's part of his essential character. And here's the thing is, we don't even know that he killed an American. Yeah. We don't know. And we probably will never know. And I don't think that matters because he was a child. But this is what we're going to get every time. Now, eventually we're going to, uh, there's a bunch of other claims that he makes. I think we will eventually have to do the book because he did a book on Omar Khadr. Wow. So, yeah, my guess is it's going to be as bad as every other book that Ezra has ever written. Ezra then, uh, now leaving that topic, Ezra interviews Lauren Gunter about the new oil sands project. And there's nothing new in this. Mm. The only fun thing that I wanted to bring up was at the end of the interview, Ezra wonders if the liberals are actually trying to piss off conservatives because having an Alberta separatist movement will actually help them. So it's like, if you piss off the conservatives, you'll get an Alberta separatist movement and then Somehow that's going to help them. And I think Gunter does, because I didn't, I was like, how does that, like, I, how does that help them? I don't know. And then Gunter goes, I don't think they're that smart. And then they like have a laugh or whatever. But like, here's Gunter again, always just like, yeah. every time Ezra goes on some giant conspiracy theory, he's just like, no. no. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. So that was that day. And now we're on the last day that we're going to cover on the show, the 12th. And Ezra has decided he's going to re-platform Patrick Moore. <laughs> he's going to pay him his full speaking fee and hold an event and get P 
Patrick Moore to speak in Regina since he was denied by the mayor. That's where we're at. <laughs> I think Moore is actually going to be on the cruise as well. So, yeah, the Rebel News cruise. The Rebel News cruise. I still, I, part of me, ever since you brought up that we should go on that cruise, part of me is like, I want to go on that cruise so bad. Or yeah, like purposefully wear a disguise, Vancouver. Vancouver, oh yeah, it's too far. Wear like a top hat and like a monocle. And... <laughs> is that what conservative, is that conservative? Like, <laughs> Just what? blend in. Do they wear monocles? I would like to buy that yacht, sir. That's yeah. good. Yeah. I just I want to find like some ways to make it enjoy- and have everyone be like, who the fuck is this person? <laughs> I was going to go into some of the things that Moore says in this interview. But the problem is he does what's called a gish gallop. I think I've brought that on the show before. It's named after a Christian uh, apologist named okay. uh, Dwayne Gish. And what he would do is in, in debates, he would just like list off like fact, 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 fact. Well, they're not facts, but, like, he would list off, like, these tidbits. Okay. And now if you're the person, so, like, say you're debating Noah's Ark. Yeah. And he'll be like, there's a bone in this desert that references this. And look, at there's a piece of wood over here. And how does science explain this? And then the, here's the Grand Canyon and this is happening here. And then all of a sudden they're like, now scientist guy who's debating Dwayne. Answer every point. that <laughs> You know what I mean? And then you have to go like, well, now I have to explain glaciology to you to explain the mark, right? Yeah. And it takes time. So what the point of a gish gallop is, is just to overwhelm someone with a bunch of facts that like it'll take forever for someone to refute. And that's basically what Moore does and why scientists don't think he should be platformed, nor should he be debated. Yeah. Because he's just going to throw out a bunch of facts. And then people are going to be like, oh, yeah, like, well, why don't the scientists answer that? And what about, I'm just, he's just asking questions. He sounds like a reasonable, right? And so that's why you don't platform people like this. <laughs> but of course, Ezra and him probably receive a similar paycheck from oil industry lobbyists. And so they're best friends. Hmm. That's most of what happens here. He Part of it is because... He's anti-climate change. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's pro-climate change. His whole big thing is that the, the earth is not is warming, but it's not human-caused. And then he tries to explain why it's not human-caused. Oh, and, like it's a natural phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. And like this is just a part of how things go. Yeah. 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 And, and his solution is we just need to plant more trees. Yeah. I've heard that. So it's I've even too. heard this by leftists too. So yeah. It's weird too, because this is actually something that annoys me about Trudeau. Is Trudeau just keeps on being like, we're planting trees as if this is solving anything. Yeah. And you would think that Patrick Moore and Justin Trudeau would make perfect allies. Just plant more trees. They do. The one thing, one last thing I want to bring up though, is they touch on what his topic is going to be at this speech that they're now doing. This new uh, event that Rebel News is planning. And Moore is going to speak about how environmental activists use the fear of things invisible to hide their anti-science views. So, for example, radiation, you can't see it, so it's spooky. And GMOs, you can't see the GMOs, so people are like, what's going on? And then climate change, the CO2, you can't see it, so you can like fear-monger about it. And what I find pernicious about this is that it sneaks in some bullshit by kind of being right. I do think that a lot of people are afraid of radiation in some unreasonable ways. We saw that with the the HBO show Chernobyl or whatever. Yeah. Where they like 
no one really knows how radiation works. So you can like fear monger about like, oh no, we got a bit of radiation on his shoe or like radioactive stuff on his shoe and everyone's freaking out when He's it's like... He's going to turn into like Spider-Man or something. Yeah. <laughs> And it's the same thing with GMOs. I'm not going to get into too much of it because part of it is I think a lot of people get all caught up on the GMO issue. I'm surprised you're actually not getting into <laughs> GMOs because you get into it all the time with me. So I'm shocked. Well, it depends on who... Because here's the thing is I don't want to alienate people who are going to listen to this and be like, I have a hardcore position on GMOs. I will say on your side, I'm not a fan of big corporations. So if your issue is patent, patenting life and if your issue is Monsanto is a terrible company... I'm all on board with all that. But for me, in principle, when it comes to genetically modified organisms, the science is in and they're safe. But here's the thing. Just because you can't see CO2 doesn't mean that it isn't actually the main contributor of global warming. Yeah. And that we're likely going to be harmed by it. And the thing is, Moore doesn't explain why, if the scientists support his first two positions, radiation works this way, GMOs are safe. Why don't they agree with him about the third thing? Right? He doesn't bring that up. Scientists say that the climate is really changing and it's because of us. And if we don't do anything, we're fucked. Yeah. When it comes to the GMO issue, I do wonder for my fellows who do not like GMOs, the same reasoning applies there too. If we accept the scientists when it comes to climate change, why can't we accept the scientists on the other way? That's all I'll say. <laughs> but it's it's a very pernicious position. And I think it's going to... I mean, here's the thing. The people who are going to show up to this event are people who already agree with them in the first place. So whatever. Circle jerk amongst your people and have at it. I don't care. I'm glad he's not going to be speaking to city council or whatever the fuck he was going to be yeah. doing in the first place. And uh, that's it. <laughs> proactive news yeah proactive so i think i just (laughs) want to say like solidarity with the wetsuwetsun uh so as our viewers may or may not know um the rcmp has or are performing injunctions in the bc territory of the wetsuwetsun people and so they're actually now going into First Nations territories, filing this injunction so they can start building a natural gas pipeline throughout their territory, even though there hasn't been proper consent, um, which violates so many, so many things so much. <laughs> it's it's personally, it's, I think, downright like illegal. It goes against human rights. It goes nope. against UN stance on human rights. It goes against a lot. So, and, and pausing on that point, because everyone is complaining about some of the other stuff that you're probably going to bring up. And yeah. go, that's illegal. And how dare they do this? When it's like, what the Canadian government is doing is illegal. And that doesn't get talked about enough. But yeah. No, it, it's absolutely illegal. It, I'm pretty sure it violates the Indian Act. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's that's, well, it also violates international laws. I was about to say, yeah. yeah, international law, like the UN has a strong yeah. commitment of 
of making sure that there's reconciliation for indigenous people internationally. And so Canada has violated that. And it's like, there's no shame about it too. They're just like, we need to follow the law. They need to follow the injunction, but your injunction is illegal. And that's the problem. Um, it was so like, here's the thing is I realized they did this for kind of like, PR is the wrong thing, but clearly as like making a statement was when they put the reconciliation across the board on the bridge the RCMP had to cut through. And I thought like, even though that was clearly done purposely to make yeah. a statement, it was so symbolic to see them have to like cut through the reconciliation to get through where yeah. they wanted to go. And I was like, kudos to whoever thought about that. No, they did a really good job. Yeah. And like, you can even go, um, is it, how, I'm going to- Union Stoughton. Union Stoughton. Yeah. I could be pronouncing that Union Stoughton uh, Facebook page. And they actually have videos where you can actually see that being cut in yeah. half. They have it where uh, RCMP officers in BC are actually like removing people from their own territory. Like they're yeah. literally performing ceremonies and they're telling them you have to leave, you have to move. This is the injunction. They take the injunction, burn it. And they are literally like grabbing these protesters on their own land and yeah. arresting them, which is just- that's just insane to me. So solidarity with that group and also solidarity to all the protesters that are supporting uh, the what's what's in people, especially the ones that are on the railroads right now, blocking blocking the CN yeah. railroads from getting everywhere, um, which I think is what you're talking about where people are saying, oh, they're being illegal. You're They're stopping the trains. These are illegal blockades. Yeah. It will, you know, sometimes you got to ramp things up and yeah, yep. stick it to the man. And yeah, so all eyes on what's what's in. And I, I had I had a message on my Facebook post sort of like referencing this, which a lot of the people who complain about the inconvenience and all this and the illegality and the, all this crap about the trains. And part of like what I want to get across is like, okay, sure, it's inconvenient, mm -hmm. all that fun stuff. And maybe sometimes it's not perfect. In that like not every protest you're going to do is perfect. But at moments like this, it becomes incumbent upon you to just step up and support them yeah like this is not the time to criticize what they're doing yeah that planning strategy that came before we're now in the hot seat now it's you support them and you fight well, this human thing. right rights yeah. are being violated and that's the issue yep. and yep. it's like is your fucking i don't know packages that are on that train the material goods that need to go to other companies is that more important than the human right violations that are happening yeah and it's just the historical neglect for actually reconciling the issues with First Nation people have been going on for way too long. And it, a lot of people aren't aware of it. A lot of people don't get educated on it because we have an education system that favors colonizers. They don't paint history accurately. Yeah. It's always in favor of the winners, right? Of course. And I just think like people just see this as an inconvenience to their everyday life rather than actually understanding and taking the time to see why this is super important and why your fucking packages on a railroad is not important whatsoever. Yeah. And it's so superficial. Honestly, when I see people making those claims, like, I just think like, wow, you're such an ignorant child. Like that's, yeah. that's, yeah. that's what I think is just like, oh, you didn't get like the trains are stopped, the via rail, you can't, you can't get somewhere. And that's, and that's oh, something wow. to say here. When I'm talking to those people in person, I try to be a little bit more diplomatic because like, they're not going to listen to that message, but I agree with I, you here. They no, are being special. I can't, I cannot, I can't. I know you have a different tact when dealing with people one-on-one, -on -one, but I try one-on-one -on -one to just be a little yeah, bit more diplomatic. Yeah, you're a hundred times more diplomatic than I am. I just, I don't, I don't like the behavior because it's just, 
I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's not part of my values. It's not part of mine either, yeah. but I'm I'm also constantly aware of like how you can try to convince people to get on their team. And uh, it's a never ending struggle. I wish there was a great event in town uh, this past Tuesday. And it was the day that I had the worst bout of my fever. It couldn't make it, but they actually like occupied, tried to occupy the RCMP building in town. Yeah. Uh, which was uh, quite fantastic. There was like almost hundreds of people. There, it, yeah. it looked pretty huge. And I, I was sad that I missed it, but I was, I was fucking sick. Yeah. <laughs> I was fucking sick. I I will say I've never felt this sick in my life or else like if I was moderately sick, I would have been fucking, I'm going. But like, yeah, I was, I was in bed all day and, uh, yeah, but I will say as well, there's a Unistoten dot uh, camp. <laughs> yeah. You can go there. They have a legal fund set up for a lot of the people who have already been arrested and who might receive charges, but also they're now suing the Canadian government, I believe. So uh, go there to help them out and give a donation. If you enjoy what you've heard so far... <laughs> Please, well, maybe this time, don't give us a few bucks over on Patreon. If you have some money, go donate it to the uh, Wet Sweat people. If you want to stay informed about what we're doing, you can also find us on Twitter at Imperial News with a Z. We have an Instagram account, News Imperial. We have a private Facebook group called Imperial News. We also have a Discord set up. You can find the link on our Twitter. Lastly, you can email us any questions at imperial.fake.news. Wait. Yeah, at gmail.com. Yes, I forgot the gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at striatum.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening. And if you fly Air Canada, you might find yourself sitting next to a dirty jaywalker named Ezra Lafont. <laughs> Albumia, Albumia, how lovely are your wheat fields.